Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. We are, this is a special bonus episode. We're actually backstage here at the Corner Hotel and we are joined today by Michael and Ted from the Vasco era. How's it going, fellas? Good. good. Thanks. Yourself? How are you? Good, good. Each episode of Flawless, uh, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless and we talk about why they think it's flawless and what it means to them and why they love it. So as your today's guest, uh, would you like to let us know what album that you nominated? Yeah, uh, we chose Ben Morrison's Astral Weeks. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world still runs crack And the ditch and the back roads stop Could you find me? Or would you kiss my eyes? Laying it down The silence is the To be born again To be born again From the side of the Fantastic, and uh, why did you, what made you choose that album? Uh, you go. <laughs> um, well, we for I think Michael could talk a bit more to this but it's a really seminal album from when Michael was growing up mm-hmm. and he introduced Sid my brother who's in the band as well and myself to it in the early days of Vasco and it it did have quite a big influence on um, on the way we approached songwriting yeah once we heard it and really mm-hmm. got into it yeah I only thought of this just when you did the introduction I'm going to put it in anyway for all your listeners yeah it's a flawless album because of its flaws. How's that? Well that's done. Yeah, well that's done. good. It could be a flawless album for whatever reason. We've had, <laughs> we had one guest who actually got all the way through to the end and then decided the album wasn't flawless after all. He, <laughs> he doesn't really want people to hear it. So that, yeah. it can be flawless for any reason. So that's all good. Yeah. So just a little background. Uh, Astral Weeks was uh, released on 29th of November, 1968. It was recorded in three sessions. So 25th of September, the 1st and the 15th of October, 1968 and it was released on Warner Brothers. So I'll be honest, I was surprised that you guys nominated this album just purely from a musical point of view. We've had guests on who do sort of indie rock and electronic and stuff, and they often nominate albums that are similar to what they do, but obviously this album doesn't really sound anything the way you guys sound at all. Was that was that something that factored in when you were thinking about it, or is it more, um, like you said, about how it's the songwriting and the way that the songs are constructed? Yeah, it's sort of um, based around songwriting, and also we were just trying to think of albums that we all really love yeah. and and not necessarily <coughs> things that are indicative of our sound. Yeah. Even though this album has been fairly influential on us in quite subtle ways sort, mm. of, sort of thing. So yeah, no. Yeah, it's it's funny though. Yeah, we don't I think just because we play in a loud rock and roll bluesy smash everything as hard as you can band, um, doesn't necessarily mean that some of the songs or the, the albums that we listen to have to be no not at all yeah, yeah. yeah. influence from that the thing with Astral Weeks that was that I think's a, a big part of how we approach our live performance is that there's a that's to me it sounds like a, there's a, a laziness but a tightness at the same time mm-hmm. to what happens on that album that they he, he had flawless music jazz musos playing with yes. him and we can talk about the recording process some other later on maybe but but it was they were th- they didn't know what they were doing and they yeah. were sort of thrown yeah. together and you can hear that it's 
it's one of the few albums that, that it is really out of time mm. at times. Yes. But it still works so yeah. well. And and I think, you know, subtly, subconsciously, I don't know, um, we've definitely taken that on with, with the way we, well, the way we're looking at songwriting at times um, um, in some of those prep sessions. Um, but also um, with live performance, it was about playing to feel, not playing to, well, this is the beat here, tap, yeah. tap, tap, we've got to make sure we're right on that. This, yeah. It'll be, you know, you get to a chorus and you go, actually, this chorus sounds better, slightly slower. Yeah. Um, and not being afraid to just do that. If yeah. That's yeah, what's going to yeah, sound exactly. better. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, so I listened to the album first before I sort of started doing any research into it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's really sort of like quite loose and impro- almost improvisational and, and very jazzy. And then I looked up and it's like, oh, yeah, no, these are like really good jazz musicians. That, that yeah. didn't surprise me at all when I, looked, when I found that out. Yeah. 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 And I think the way which we'll go into in a bit, the way that the recording sessions were structured, they had no alternative but to yeah. improvise as yeah. well, which yeah. I think is part of the beauty of the album. Mm. So, Yeah, and obviously the album's got quite a unique history to it as well, even just the stories yeah. and stuff from um, even before it started, like just the build-up to it as well. So yeah, when I was looking that up, there was some really weird stuff happening in there yeah. as well. So, so yeah. it was Van Morrison's second sort of solo album. And I didn't realise the first solo album... Brown Eyed Girl was like the first song on the very first album. Like I, I knew that's the pretty much the only Van Morrison song I know off the top of my head and then I yeah. recognise him when I hear him playing that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. But outside of that, it's sort of, yeah, that's the one song I knew and I didn't realise that would be the very first thing that he'd sort of come up with. Yeah, definitely. It's and funny, it sounds yeah. nothing like, Brown Eyed Girl sounds no. nothing like Astral Weeks. But no, no, but absolutely, yeah. The, the history behind it of, I think it was Bang Records yep. that he was on and then the producer from the first album I can't remember his name off the top of my head but he died yes, just the, before so Burt Burns yeah and the then, yeah, and, so then the, um, label. and then the low level gangster yeah took over that label yeah and Van so. took off to Boston to get away from him mm, yeah so he they had that first album he the first album wasn't even supposed to be an album so he recorded eight songs that were supposed to be four double sided singles and the theory yeah, was right. so then his working visa expired so he had to go back to Ireland and on the way back, as he's leaving, Brad, Brad Burns, Bert Burns said to him, we'll, we'll get one of these singles to be big enough to get you the visa to come back again and then we'll do something properly. Yeah. And then while he's over there, and because it's 1968, so they're, or 60, so there's no internet, they're, they're not talking all the time. He's like, oh, I guess we'll just wait and see what it hears. Someone rings him up out of the woods, oh, I've listened to your album and it's really great. He's like, I, I didn't record an album and then Bert had actually put the eight songs just together yeah. that he'd intended to be four double-sided singles. And he's going, well, here's the album and Brown Eyed Girl took off big enough that he was able to come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's definitely big. It's bloody yeah. every single cover fan does it. It's yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I, yeah, so I guess we can also talk about that recording process as well. So it was recorded in, in I'd mentioned three sessions before, but it was essentially recorded in two because the one they did on the first... They tried to do it in the morning and they were all jazz musicians and I don't know what they were thinking because they came out of that <laughs> session and was like, no, that didn't work. Okay, throw yeah. all that stuff away. And Let's do it later. So they essentially recorded it in two sessions, yeah. almost all of the songs on the first or second take. So yeah. they were just like, yeah, this is just how it's going to go. Yeah. And then um, one other thing I read was that Morrison, because he knew they were such high level, really good jazz musicians, he felt a little bit intimidated by them. Mm. And so he, sequ- like he sequestered himself off away from them. He didn't want to be yeah. hanging out with them or talking to them. And so he just played them the bits that he'd written and then went, okay, and now off you go and make something while yeah. I sing and while I do my bit and I'm not even going to like pay that much attention to what yeah. you do. Yeah, I'd heard, yeah. I mean, yeah. I haven't done too much research but on, on this, but I'd heard that it, it was, a, yeah, he was kind of 
nervous in front of them because they're these hotshot jazz musos and they kind of are looking at him going this guy's got no musicality at all he doesn't know what he's you know what's that's, happening yeah that's what he felt yeah. that's how he felt yeah. so it's yeah. like the two opposite ends of the yeah. of the equation but maybe that's why it works so well because he the, knew that he could just yeah trust them to do what they need to the, do the lead up to the to the recordings fascinating as well because he went yeah. to Boston to get away from this um, low level gangster can't mm-hmm. remember what his name was um and he was playing under in with bands under the name the Van Morrison Controversy. Yes. And there are three different um, incarnations of that. And in the second incarnation, according to Van, he had a dream that all of the electricity in the world disappeared. Right. So like just disappeared. And so the next day he went in, sacked the drummer and said, all right, everybody else, you're not playing electric, it's acoustic. And yeah. that's from according to him from that dream that's where the astral weeks like the songs from astral weeks came yeah um and then it's he some somehow it got shown to is it Weirenstein, the producer um of astral weeks and he heard it he's like let's make a record get rid of your band yeah i know i know crew yeah and so his band just got sacked yeah but wasn't there one guy that came back and Muscle his way in. One of the flute guys, or something. Yeah, so yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, so the lineup was John, <laughs> John Payne on flute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was John Payne on flute and soprano saxophone? Jay Berliner on classical and steel string acoustic guitars. Richard Davis on double and um, stand-up bass. Yeah. Warren Smith Jr. on the percussion. Uh, Connie Kay on drums, and then Larry Fallon on string arrangements, and Barry Cornfell on acoustic guitar and one song. So it's all. Yeah. It's all acoustics and stuff that you do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you could reproduce it live without electricity. So I guess that was sort of part of his thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. And um, I find it really fascinating from the the little bit of research that I've done around the recording sessions. Every single person that was in the recording sessions absolutely hated the process. Yeah. They said it was like, I mean, from everything you read, Van Morrison's not the nicest of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> quite hard to work with. But they just said that there were like clashes and it yeah, was really it was that disconnect between yeah the and it's amazing that you can get an album of such beauty and flow and things like it's a really calming sort of album yeah out of that sort of almost animosity i suppose mm. yeah it's definitely not the normal way to go about it yeah the other thing i read just before back into the contract stuff um so warner brothers records were trying to sign in but he was still with the bang mm. records so someone from Warner Brothers Records, uh, they managed to buy his contract via a $20,000 cash transaction that took place in an abandoned warehouse on 9th yeah. Avenue on Manhattan. <laughs> it's just, everything's just so weird and gangster. Yeah. And just, like the album doesn't, like, you know, you'd expect that from like maybe like a heavy rock album or something like that, but then they mm, yeah. come out the other side with that. It was just, yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, it's like, like Biggie and Tupac sort of shit. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it wasn't the all. best um, received Time not initially no it? so Warner Brothers were basically buying the guy who had put out Brown Eyed Girls so mm-hmm. like alright where, where's our next folk pop single and this was the eight songs that he came out with and they so there were no singles we normally go through this in the podcast about singles that were released and how they all did yeah. Warner Brothers didn't release any mm-hmm. they didn't do yeah. any promo for it and I even don't think he played much of it live either so he had he had another album out 12 months later so I think he which yeah. I, I don't know that well I don't know at all but I think it was a bit closer back to what he was more used to doing and then yeah. he sort of took off from there. Yeah, apparently he didn't play any of it until um, the 40th anniversary. Yeah, or so like played very limited yeah. sort of stuff. I'd, I'd heard there was like a contract thing and I, you know, my research is very limited, but 
I'd heard there was some contract thing where Bang Records, as part of that $20,000 cash transaction, there was also, um, uh, for 12 months, um, he any single that was released, yeah. um, they retained the copyright ownership on okay, or a, right. a percentage. Right, yeah. And so that Warner got around that by... Just, just not, not releasing yeah, anything, yeah. and there's not really like there's there's not really a single you could take from that. No, there, yeah, there's yeah, definitely yeah. not. No, they're all quite. Most of them are quite long. They're sort yeah. of four and a half, seven minutes, nine minutes. Yeah. They're yeah. epic compilate uh, constructions yeah, of songs. They're not sort of nice yeah. and easy. They're singles, not radio so. friendly. No, mm-hmm. um, but I think like Van was, um, he was very good at getting out of contracts as well. Yeah. <laughs> especially later, there's the um, story. I can't remember what label it was but he still owed them two or three albums and he just was sick of them so yeah. he went in one night you told me this actually he went in one night and um into a studio with a couple of bottles of scotch and just sang songs and progressively got right. drunker and drunker and said okay. here's your albums yeah yeah it was something like, i was playing at uni i was told by a lecturer and he was he played me the record some of the recordings i don't know where he got them from um, and i took his word for it i haven't done any further looking into it but yeah, he, the first song was like, we're going to roll, rattle and hum, something like that. Yeah. Like, typical blues. The next one was, we're going to rattle, roll and hum. Yeah, yeah. And just the <laughs> same thing, just mix the words around a bit. And you can hear him swigging on the bottle throughout yeah. the recording. And, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. there was a thing that I read that said, so there was another company called Web4 Music. So you had a requirement um, to give them 36 original songs within a year that he didn't want to do. So he sat down and he did 31 songs in a row. And gave them to that was the when it was the um, Burt Burns' wife Eileen was still in charge. Right, that might have been that one. Yeah, yeah. so Eileen Burns thought the songs were nonsense music about ringworms and did not use them. <laughs> the throwaway compositions became known as the Revenge songs, and they were officially released on a compilation in 2017 called the Authorized Bang Collection in 2017. So that was still when he was on yeah. Bang, mm, yeah, and he right. must have had a contract, like a writing contract as well as the, like a recording one. And yeah, he was like, all right, here's 31. Yeah, and but it was the same thing. It was like there was a red one where it was like. He just yeah he wrote a song and then he just switched two words around in the chorus and he said well here's your here's your next song <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I mean how's that like yeah. it's a bit of a joke that you know he, he's an artist who's written you know what now is a really well respected yeah, yeah. album and and you know lots of great songs mm-hmm. whether even if that is pop songs like Brown Eyed Girl um, but how's you know having to deal with the labels or, or people you know managements yeah. that are yeah. saying you need to write this you need to do that God. I wonder he'd do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So sick. Yeah. Does the but, other thing he did that they did as well is that his um one of his paperwork for his staying in the US hadn't been filed properly. They found out after the first guy died, so his wife reported him to the INS to their immigration services, and they were getting him deported back to Ireland. <laughs> and so he married. He'd been with a girl in the US, so he just That's married right. her on the spot. He said, "Yep, <laughs> nope, I'm good." Um, and they they were together for a little while, but yeah, so it's. It's a really interesting album. It's definitely obviously a construction from the days where you had records that you had to turn over at that halfway point. So there's mm. definitely a side A, there's two sides yeah. to it. So the first side is called In the Beginning, and then the second side is called Afterwards. And there's only eight songs, which is really great because we've done some podcasts where it's like, here's a 17 song album, here's a 22 song album. <laughs> I get eight songs is really good. But yeah, they're definitely quite constructed. They're put together with lots of different pieces, which then goes against how we know the album was put together which is that everyone was just sort of improvising and seeing mm. what happened so mm. yeah there was um uh, uh what do they call it uh, they, they argue that it's potentially like the beginnings of concept albums and things mm. like that yeah which is what we were doing for the first couple yeah, of albums definitely. we did and yeah. i don't know whether that was deliberate i don't think it was um 
you'd have to ask Sid about that. But, yeah. Um, oh, the second one was definitely deliberate Delib- concept yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny how that happens. But yeah, but with Van Morrison's reaction to the thing, because he, he was there on the recordings and then the producer added the string parts yeah. and all of that sort of stuff. And I saw a quote from him that this isn't verbatim, but he's, he said he didn't like the way it was, it was never meant to have strings. Yeah. He didn't mean it to be so samey yeah. throughout. Um, and I reckon that sameness sort of within the album's one of the things that makes it mm, like yeah, the it really full journey yeah. through through well, the album works really well but that's what my I got into it because of my dad oh, mum and dad they massive Astral Van Morrison Astral Weeks fan and nice. TV Sheets from, yeah. from the first album as well dad we can talk for about 45 minutes on yeah. that one song alone um, but they got me um, into Van Morrison because of that yeah um, and I, I remember dinner parties when I was a kid and I hated it at first, because I wanted to listen to whatever, or us, you know, Nirvana or whatever was around, um, and Dad be having these dinner parties, putting on Astral Weeks, and track two comes on, and I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, how the hell can people like this? He's just like, is that <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. Just forever. I'm like, this is uh, this is crazy. What, yeah. What's going on? Why can people listen to this? It's only years later that I've realised that I think I get what he was on about. Um, yeah, but uh, oh, now I lost my train of thought. I was going to say about how um, Dad introduced me to it and loved Van Morrison for Astral Weeks. He had a choice in the sort of late, mid to late 80s to go to Van Morrison. They couldn't, couldn't afford to go to both, either Van Morrison or Neil Young. And they, they decided Van Morrison because of Astral Weeks. They're like, oh, you know, how can we not see him? He's coming yeah. to show. We have to see him. And apparently it was the shittest show. They right. didn't play anything. They like, no didn't good. play anything. Like, yeah. he had his back to the audience, didn't play anything of Astral Weeks, just back to the audience, just so into his own thing, didn't care about anything, complaining about the sound. I think it was, yeah. the, what was the old glass house, maybe? Okay. Um, yeah, that would have been here, shocking. which was shocking. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then the reviews came in for Neil Young's concert, which was just blowing everyone away. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Still, um, I think they still have regrets about that. Yeah, because <laughs> definitely, in, you could, yeah, going back to the improvisational stuff, he sometimes, he'll loop his lyrics back around. So yeah. normally if he'd written the song and everyone knew what they were doing, if he did that as a singer, he'd be like, hang on, we all lost where we were up to in the song. But mm-hmm. because it was just him doing whatever he wanted to do and they could lay stuff on afterwards. So yeah. you can feel that sometimes. It's like, And even his singing is off tempo with what everyone else in the song yeah. is doing, mm-hmm. which is yeah, kind of good because I know George, who does a podcast with us, she hates when it's just the singer is just singing along to the riff like the voice isn't a thing it's just we had to have lyrics so we just sung along yeah. to the riff that's happening whereas this is like the opposite of that like his voice does its completely own thing it's not attached to anything else and it's yeah. not locked yeah. into anything and he's definitely yeah definitely. he'd written the songs and years before hadn't he yeah i think before so before the actual recording sessions they'd happened over the past three to four years I okay that yeah he'd, he'd actually written those tracks mm. but that like using that looping of the lyric of the vocals and yeah it allowed for the other instrumentation to have this really incredible voicing yeah. that you don't like 
that Richard Davis, his base work on that is just unbelievable. Mm. Like I've I've tried so many times to model, like to to sort of figure out a a vibe like that. There's yeah. a song on our second album, Lucille, called uh, "Never Longed for Nothing," mm-hmm. and that was what I was going for. And it's it turned out nothing like it. It's very, yeah. you know, very structured and like sort of long lines. But the way that he he does it and adds that using a double bass, it adds different voicings in there and different points of interest and mm. playing off the bass and the harpsichord in sections and yeah. Jay Berliner's guitars just popping in and out. And yeah. it's, like, it's just it's, incredible. I it's think. always interesting, yeah, that idea of like, because he wasn't paying attention to them, they could just fiddle around and do whatever worked for them. Yeah. They didn't have to try to, it's his album, so you're normally trying to stick to whatever he was trying to do his vision of it. Mm. Whereas if he's telling you, no, you guys just do whatever, I don't care that much. Yeah. You're like, great, we're going to do probably like our best work. Because yeah, exactly. We, well, that, exactly. Yeah, no parameters. Yeah. And there was, like, they made it complex. That those, yeah. So many of those songs, they're three chord songs. Yeah. yeah. Cypress yeah. Avenue. Well, I'm caught one more time Up on Cypress Avenue Call one more time up on Cypress Avenue, and I'm conquering a car seat. Nothing that I can do. I may go crazy Before that mansion on the hill uh, Madam George Slim Slow Slider I think is as well, isn't it? Yeah, Sweet Thing Yeah um, Ballerina Yeah All of these, I think, I believe, I might be wrong But I think they're all just three chord songs Yeah And so that, you know, you have three chords of songs So much easier for the Jazz musos to come over and work around the scale. Yeah. It's in. Um, yeah. So there's that simplicity to it, that but also such you know complex yeah because yeah. of the um, instrumentation and, and how yeah, they definitely. managed to find that relaxed vibe. Yeah, yeah. Just like everything is working against it. All the, all the ingredients are wrong and it shouldn't work, which is just yeah. like makes it even more miraculous how good it is. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, did you have any other favourite songs that you really like on the album, or things you wanted to like about the album? Um, oh, it's hard. I, it, mm, that's t- a tough one. Um, I when the when I first listened to, I can't even remember the name of the first track. Is it Astral Weeks? Yeah, yeah. first track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I first hear that, I you just get a calmness about it. Yeah. Um, but I I think I I really get into um, I, I really like ballerina. And Wanted to get close to you For instance, me, baby All you gotta do Is ring the bell Step right up Step right up And step right up 
yeah. And that was one that that really you can you can clearly hear it with the um, the uh, I think it's the vibraphone at one point. Um, the timing issues they're having. He's yeah. playing his guitar and singing. Um, and then the the vibraphone comes in with and and it sounds great, but it's out of time with the guitar. Yeah. And then it sort of slowly falls back yeah. in. Um, no, not so many hard. bands or artists can do something like that. Pavement's one that did yeah. as well. Yeah, um, yeah, they were really good at, good at that. But I think that was definitely one of the ones where he looped a lot of the lyrics. It's like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. sing. It feels like you're gonna go. Oh, I'm gonna sing this twice, and then you go. Huh, I'm singing it a third time and yeah, I'm fine because I'm just playing the acoustic guitar but you guys got to figure out what you're doing out there yeah, mm. yeah definitely yeah. and I think um, the way young lovers do yeah is just it's really because it, it, it's explosive yeah. in comparison to everything else that's around it like mm. with the horn lines and it's just that bit more intensity in the middle of the album I just do want the lips once more and we said goodbye you the door of the night a big stage band sound that one yeah, yeah. Like this, yeah. yeah it sort exactly. of probably stands out from the rest of the album a yeah. little bit but yeah. it's, and also shorter like it's the shorter song on the album yeah, yeah. oh not Slim Slow Slide is the same length but yeah, yeah. so you, it's that thing where you've you've come off Cypress Avenue which is one of the big constructions that ends side A so you sort of get up and you turn over and then you hit yeah. that, you, that yeah, different exactly. sound right off the first of side B really yeah. cool yeah and I could imagine if you're listening to it the first time on a record yeah. you've got had side A with, which is quite nice and lovely and then to have that energy yeah. hit you as a, as side B starts is pretty mm. would have been pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, Madame George, nearly ten minutes, this big yeah. epic construction. Mm. Yeah. And the same thing, he just loops back over that chorus all the time as well. And just yeah, yeah it's a really kinda of nice but kind of disquietingly nice as well. Like yeah. it's just sort of yeah, there's that little undercurrent in there that's all the way through. And you know you gotta go. On a train from Dublin up the sandy road Throwing pennies at the bridges down below And the rain hail sleet and snow Say goodbye to Madame Joy Dry your eyes for Madame Joy. Wonder why for Madame Joy. Ooh. It just has a, a it's it's like storytelling. Yeah. That and, and you know a bit well, obviously ten minutes it has to be like that but um. It just seems to he has thoughts popping into his head, yeah, and yeah. and he's just saying it as they come. And yeah, same with that. I mean, it's not on his own, but that TV sheets song as well off the first album was, um, has that same idea. It's just something comes in. This is what I'm thinking, and this is what I'm saying, and I'll, uh, I'll maybe have a bit of a melody to it. And, yeah. and they, that's 
and some bulbs through that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he talked about around that time, he talked a lot about automatic writing mm-hmm. when he was yeah, writing. Yeah, I saw that as a reference, but I didn't know what it was. So as far as I can understand, it's almost like there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of occult sort of stuff happening around Boston at the time. And he was quite into that. And it's sort of almost like you go into a trance and you're just writing whatever's yeah. coming. Like you have to be in a certain um, frame of mind to do it, but you just you're just writing whatever comes out, and that's the song. There's no mm. there's no editing at the end. There's no you know I will use this for a chorus, and yeah. it's just whatever mm. whatever comes to mind. So. Which is a pretty interesting way to do it, I think. The other thing I thought when I first heard it was like, oh yeah, definitely, probably you know, affected by drugs, you know, some psychedelics, hippies yeah. spacing out, that sort of stuff. But it turns out not at all. Like he hated that stuff. So yeah, but of, in Boston at that time, that was when the LSD experiment. Yeah. it was surrounded by that. But he, he didn't. He wasn't. He yeah, didn't he do wasn't it at all. So they, yeah, because the for the first album, that was another thing they did was they, oh, we're going to put out this album. It's kind of trippy psychedelic stuff. Let's find a photo of him where he looks tripped out and put that on the cover so they did that and put some sort of brown circles up around it and then yeah. he, he hated that because he was avidly no I, I don't do that sort of stuff yeah. and so yeah we, they had a big point <laughs> yeah. of him going out and saying no I'm not you know I don't do that stuff at all so yeah yeah definitely yeah there was a quote of his where he said he tried he smoked weed when he was younger and it broke his mind yeah he burned yeah. his brain on a hat yeah. or something yeah, yeah. well he, he said some of those songs he said with all that repetitive it, it sounds like he's got fixations. That's the thing. Yeah. Get yeah. on the train. Doesn't... On the train. I'll get on the yeah. train. I've got yeah. go. to go. I've got to get on the train. Yeah. But yeah, I think that was more that his fascination in the occult and getting achieving trance-like mm. sort of state without hallucinogens or without yeah, other than whiskey. Yeah. 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 Definitely whiskey. like definitely like the alcohol. <laughs> and then yeah, so the album ends with Slim Slow Slider, which is a really nice song, but then it the very end uh, he sings I know you're dying and I know you know it too every time I see you I just don't know what to do Which is like yeah. a really, really disquieting way to end an album. Mm. Well. It is, like isn't it's it? that nervous energy that he's had all the way through yeah. it. And then when he, the la- the end of the album is this like this really off drum, like someone the drummer was just like, Fuck it, I've been really quiet this whole album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's a bit of saxophone. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether really it was that or like someone hitting like the um, guitar strings kind of thing. You know how if you do that, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that percussive kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the saxophone just does this warble out of nowhere. Yeah, like, yeah, I've, yeah. Been, I've been calm and quiet this whole time and I'm Three seconds to go in the album, and I'm breaking out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's funny on. Um, I had chills just then when you read out those lyrics. How's that? Yeah, yeah, it's just I'm really right. good. Yeah, I think I'll be okay. Right. I'll survive. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that amazing? Like, it does leave you. I, yeah. I hear that, and I go, "I'm gonna put this album on now." And have yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Actually, don't know what it means. I've, I've, I've always told, told myself, "Yeah, look it up, find out, read, find out what all the songs mean and what it's about." And I just never have. I sort of think. There's there's something there, yeah. And and whatever we read in interviews with Dan Morrison or others, it's probably not the whole truth. Anyway. Yeah, no. And I mean, Van 
hated the process of the album and didn't like the outcome of it. So yeah, he's probably not telling you the truth yeah. anyway. <laughs> I, did I don't read, think he tells the truth ever. I read one interview yeah. that was quoting him saying something, and then at the end they're like, "Yeah, he's talking bullshit at the moment." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, I can't tell you the Van Morrison fans are big Wikipedia people because every song on this so normally you go to Wikipedia for an album it'll have the track list and sort of some details yeah there's a paragraph on the Wikipedia page for every song on the album but also every song has its own Wikipedia page so they've gone oh, yeah. like done a whole thing about who did what on their songs and all the references really? that they think the songs are about yeah. so yeah his following must be a big Wikipedia people yeah, definitely. normally Wikipedia I don't think it allows that they're like no 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 just list the tracks you'll be fine yeah. wow. whatever the case yeah there's a lot of Wikipedia is Wikipedia accurate? No, not necessarily. Not necessarily, <laughs> no. But it's like it, you, it can. You need to follow it up with a follow up the with source. a source or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you try and put yeah. something in there that's completely false, yeah. one of their random editors will just click on the up and go. I know. I know George Clooney likes getting onto his Wikipedia page and making up absolute crap about nice. himself and about Van Morrison makes up stuff. No, about, about George Clooney. So <laughs> see how long it stays on for. So, but yeah, I was listening to listening to the album. Oh a couple of days ago and I just had it on Spotify and it went like it finished Slim Slow Slider and I was just what, doing stuff around the house and the next album came on yeah it's so jarring because it's yeah. back to his more yeah. poppy What's sort of stuff I can't remember I turned it off Is straight it away <laughs> no um, it Moon- didn't start with Moondance oh maybe it wasn't that, the next that, album that sounds but, familiar yeah that wasn't, I thought that was the next album it might have been it might have been a different album but it was like it was one of his more popular albums mm. Uh, sorry, not popular, more poppy albums, and yeah, it was so, just yeah, really jarring. Yeah, in 1970. Mm. Yeah, right. It must have been a different album. Yeah, so I yeah. guess, so it didn't really do anything, and Warner Brothers didn't do any promo for it, they didn't do any singles, so they're like, yeah. throwing it in man, and it cannot be what they actually, I guess what they actually wanted from him. Yeah. I wonder how many copies it's sold now. I wonder if it's sold yeah. more copies than any other album. Well, it's, it's pretty crazy that you think, like, he's, this is the guy that's responsible for... Uh, Brown Eyed Girl, Moon Dance, Jackie Wilson said, like all these really amazing pop songs. And I felt like at one stage, every house owned Best of Van Morrison. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And like all of these Gloria amazing. Or something as yeah, well? yeah. So, the, so he was, the band, yeah. when they were in the band, they did they made Gloria. Ah, they yeah. Did and then Patti Smith did. He probably did his own version. versions as well, yeah. So, but, and then for him to be able to go from those pop sensibilities to this. Yeah. It's just completely different. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, uh, Astro Weeks has gone gold in the US. I'm not, I'm not sure what those numbers mean exactly. But, yeah. um, but Moondance is triple platinum in the US. So, well, that would be his, I think his highest selling one. And then a couple of other ones have got gold and silver and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, definitely yeah. like my exposure to Van Morrison was my mum listened to AM radio when I was growing up. So, yeah. every now and again, Brown Eyed Girl or the songs that sound like Brown Eyed Girl would get played. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty much the extent of my yeah. knowledge. So which was yeah, which meant this album, yeah, like I said, I sort of was surprised when you guys picked it, and then when I listened, I was like, wow, this isn't like any Van Morrison songs I've ever heard yeah. before. Yeah, definitely. Have you guys seen him live? I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's no. toured Australia. No, I haven't. To be, I don't know if I would want to. I yeah. don't think I'd like his live performance. And like, I'm, I'm a, I, I really like Astro Weeks. Mm-hmm. I like Moon Dance as well. Yeah. Um, I think I'd watch, and I, I actually kind of get bored watching music sometimes. I don't yeah. Know why I just do, and I think with him, I, I'd be knowing what some of the stories I've read knowing the episode or the experience my parents had I'd kind of be going in not with the a positive mindset yeah where it's different to like say Bob Dylan I went and saw and I knew that the reviews were pretty shit out of, yeah. of him of the recent tours um, 
but I didn't care because I was a big fan of him anyway and I could hear the songs and they sound nothing like they do in the 60s no. his voice is shot but yeah. that's not what it's about we're not here to watch someone in the, the 60s yeah. with a 60s voice at 70 years of age or whatever he is yeah. so I, with him it was different I was kind of excited about that because I knew he'd, he'd do something with it with Van Morrison I, I, I think it was more that the potential of him to not not engage and care about the audience yeah. or about yeah. it, 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 like almost being like um, not wanting to be on stage yeah. I, yeah I don't like when I see that well there's that he's got that notoriety of just mm. being really hard to deal with and mm-hmm. really um, combative with a lot of situations and mm. I think that's yeah maybe something, something that you you would subconsciously go project yeah, yeah he yelled well. at someone on stage or something at one point like something, I watched it on YouTube I think and I was like oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, he did though that he did, I think, three or four shows of this album, so 40th anniversary, so in 2008, yeah. and that's on Spotify. They recorded that, so I had a quick listen to that. And he doesn't sound like that anymore, he doesn't sound like the recorded, yeah, like, he's yeah. definitely yeah. aged out. I actually it. haven't heard that, I'll have to have a listen, yeah, have a listen, but then yeah. at the same time, yeah, I think like I listened to a couple of songs, but it, without, even without the same voice, it sort of it became quite jarring. Yeah. And they didn't, yeah. they didn't play it in order, so they sort of jumbled up the order a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I quite like the album more of the way yeah, it is. Yeah, the flow of it really, really well. Good. So yeah. it's kind of surprised, like, we're going to play that yeah. in full, but not in order. Yeah. It always kind of bugs me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. But then there's, like, um, the last waltz by the band that, yeah. um, have you seen that live? No. It's It's pretty incredible because there's all these musicians on it. Like Neil Young, Bob Dylan, Neil Diamond, Tony Mitchell, yeah, yeah, Tony Mitchell, and Van Morrison's on it, and he absolutely smashes it. He's yeah. so good on it. Yeah. But apparently, like I've read about that as well, and apparently he just did not interact with anyone backstage. Yeah. So like, there's all this talk. Like Neil Young had a rock of cocaine in his nose when he was playing, <laughs> and they had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to digital, well, not digitally, edit it out, edit it out like yeah. paint the coke out of his yeah. nose. <laughs> so everyone had this huge party backstage, and Van was just like, no, "Yeah, I don't want anything to do with you people." Yeah, so, it's really like it's not sort of because we there's lots about that with the people who are introverts, like where they they don't want to be in front of people but the music grabs them and then it's in such a way that they have to do yeah. deal with it so it's not really but this isn't like that it's sort of a no because almost a frustration with having to do it or stuff like yeah. that yeah but when he when he was on I don't know if he still is capable of it but you see footage of him back in the day and when he was on he was incredible live yeah but yeah I don't think as you said Astral Weeks I don't think that's going to ever going to be able to do justice no like you're not going to have those players with you for no, a start that's right, like yeah. they're unbelievable players and mm, you yeah. wouldn't expect the exact no you wouldn't expect the exact thing but that doesn't necessarily mean like if you're doing something live you cannot do the same thing and still do it justice whereas I don't think that would you would be yeah. able to do that justice yeah so um, he's got a lot of big there's a lot of big fans too so Bruce Springsteen a huge mm-hmm. fan he yeah. once said it, it made me trust in beauty it gave me a sense of the divine and he loved it so much that uh, for his first two albums he got Richard Davis to play bass on the oh, first right. two albums and um, Steve Van Zandt from the E Street was like Astral Weeks was like a religion to us so they were all obviously yeah. just in love with it right from the start yeah and he's been he's, Van Morrison's been really prolific as well like he's got lots and lots of yeah. studio albums and yeah. Yeah, lots definitely. of different best ofs and live albums as well but he's definitely yeah. sort of still cranking stuff out so. yeah yeah definitely and I mean he's got some great songs that aren't on this album but I yeah. think as a whole as an album this one's just well the feel is, to, is so yeah. hard yeah. To, to replicate or, or, yeah exactly and, and it did have, have so much inspiration on so many 
um, bands across yeah. different styles. As well. yeah. yeah, like yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've heard that they've that they've just recently released a, a, a version of it with some extra. Yeah, um, there's there's four extra songs on the on the end of it. Some outtakes, other outtakes. Oh, okay. Whatever like, they call not outtakes, what are they called? Yeah, versions, but they're like they call them the official versions, which is just really weird. They can't be official if they weren't on the image. That's what I was thinking. Well too, maybe they're the ones that fans just gone, yeah, this is I'd, how it I'd be, be interested to hear to hear them because yeah, I, I just think what he captured in that time and you know, maybe he was maybe it was just pure luck or maybe he's a very you know, quiet genius about not telling everyone that this was his plan all along to get yeah. hot shot jazz musos to play long to simple chord progressions but that also I think from what I've read I think that was the producer getting those people in yeah it wasn't wasn't Van's idea no yeah so that's where that's where they sort of fired the rest of the band so it was sort of like uh, I think it's Werenstein I can never remember um, came in and those two working together they clashed massively and they both said they'd never work together again afterwards but what they both brought to the table just worked yeah yeah. Mm. and you'd hope Morrison himself has softened on it I'm just, yeah I hated it so much yeah exactly. over the years so the extended version has a alternate take of Beside You which is the second song uh, an alternate take of Madame George which is like the big nice one a long version of Ballerina they call it and so the original is already yeah, seven okay. minutes so there must be yeah. something going on there <laughs> yeah right and then another and then a long version of Slim Slow Slider which I think I'd like to check that out because I yeah. it was uh, yeah it felt weird to end on a short song rather Sort of yeah. felt like it needed a big epic ending so yeah definitely but yeah mm. alright well I want to thank you for joining us it's been a real pleasure having a chat to you about this album thank you for nominating it we'll uh, no, thanks for having more us. people listening to it yeah thanks uh, for having so us so this episode of Flawless has been recorded backstage at the Corner Hotel uh, we have uh, Instagram and a Facebook and a Twitter and also we now have a Patreon so if you want to support us that way you can that'd be great we're our Flawless AMP on all of those so check us out Um, And yeah, we'll see you next time.